Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. News Talk 850 WFTL presents Joyce Kaufman, No Restraint. Here's Joyce Kaufman. On this week's No Restraint Podcast, I once again do not know where to begin. I'm trying to say goodbye to 2023, a year where I had some enormous pleasure and also some horrific pain. Certainly thinking about October 7th as one of the most defining moments of 2023 leaves me full of emotion. But 2024 has arrived. And if we're going to have any kind of happy new year, we better get some stuff straight. This is going to be an extremely volatile year. This is going to be the kind of year that determines the history of this great republic. And I can't tell you how tired I am of having to correct people who say democracy dies or we need more democracy. Democracy is a concept We live in a republic. We're not a democracy. As a matter of fact, when I look at the democracies that do exist, whether it's Israel or the United Kingdom, I'm so grateful that our founding fathers had the foresight to design this republic. And it was deliberate. They took their time and they fashioned an incredible system of governance that basically starts with you and me. We're the fundamentals to this government. It's supposed to go in the direction that we want it to. We steer the proverbial boat. But lately, it feels more like I'm in one of those Waymo-designed cars that I see in San Francisco that have no driver. America's become like a driverless car, and it really doesn't portend for good. So I want to use this No Restraint podcast, the first one in 2024, to just share some of the thoughts that have been going through my head for the last couple of weeks, and also to remind you that while I'm not a person who makes resolutions, and I really don't like people who go through this whole process of resolutions that they can't keep for 10 minutes never mind 10 weeks or 10 months or a year. But I do have hope for 2024, even though it's going to be a crazy election year. So one of the things that I'm hoping for, and I certainly wish everyone a happy new year, even my terribly misguided friends and families who continue to vote for Democrats continue to believe that Democrats are the party of peace and love and prosperity and goodwill towards all men. That's nonsense. And if you don't know that by now, 
you really are dumber than a rock. One of the things I've been hoping for is less illegal immigration. How many years am I going to be talking about this subject? How many years until more Democrats allow that border security and closing our borders is a fundamental obligation of government? They have to secure us. And how do you do that if you have tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people pouring across the southern border who we have no idea where they came from and what their intentions are. Look, I realize that most people who are immigrants make a tough decision to leave the land of their birth and they go somewhere fully hoping that it's going to be better than where they left. But most of the time, they're not trying to turn the country they end up in into the country they just fled, except in the case apparently, of some of our most recent immigrants. I'd like there to be less crime in America. I think that's pretty universal. It doesn't have to do with what party you're affiliated with. But if Democrats refuse to allow for the enforcement of laws and people actually going to jail when they commit crimes, what hope is there to reduce crime in 2024? I'd like there to be less voter fraud. I didn't say no voter fraud because I don't believe that there will be a system in place, not this year, which would exclude any voter fraud. But could we have a little bit less? Could we allow elections to be run fairly? I'm talking to you, blue state governors. And could we just allow them to be run by the laws that we currently have in place? like you should be an American citizen to vote. And you should vote only once. And you should vote where you're supposed to vote. But hey, if I sound like I'm saying the obvious, I am. I'd like to see fewer cities burning in 2024. But again, that would require Democrats to allow for the protection of property and encourage law and order, not defund the police, but support the police and help people, no matter what their backgrounds, races, gender identities are, to feel safe in their own communities. I'd like there to be less broken windows. I know that's been a catchphrase, but it's true. If you live in a city where people are breaking windows and destroying property willy-nilly and not really paying any penalty for that, well, then guess what? You're not living under the laws of the land. I'd like there to be less blocked streets. Every time you have a demonstration, you don't have to make traffic grind to a halt. As a matter of fact, all I'm asking is that you again enforce the laws that already exist, and stop protecting criminals. We're supposed to be protecting the innocents from criminals. I'd like there to be less foreign corruption. Hey, it would probably be a good start if Democrats prosecuted the Biden crime family. I don't think there's any question that there was something very fishy going on between Hunter Biden, his father, his uncle, 
and all the rest of this syndicate. And yet, the media's not interested, half of Congress is not interested, and apparently, a lot of the American people are not that interested either. I'd like there to be far fewer school beatings. And I think one of the problems is when you see these videos of students beating up teachers or students beating each other up, is that again, we treat children as though they were some kind of privileged class. We're supposed to protect them. And sometimes that means laying down the law. We can't start any good process of containing violence by telling half of the people who are involved in violence, you're a victim. We have to empower people, not make them feel less and less powerful. We have to have fewer men in girls' sports. Again, some of these things seem so obvious, but I have to say them out loud because nobody's paying attention. And if you're not paying attention, then guess what? We're doomed to repeat the same mistakes over and over and over again. And I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm tired of repeating the mistakes. I'd like there to be less child slave labor. And you're scratching your head and thinking, well, we don't have a lot of child slave labor anymore, do we? I don't know. If you keep demanding the Green New Deal, we're going to have lots of child labor. It may not be taking place here in America, but somebody's going to have to grind out some of these gadgets that don't work in the first place. And by and large, there'll be young and even minor children doing that grunt work in countries where they don't have a lot of choice. I'd like there to be a lot less shoplifting. As a matter of fact, I just came back from a trip in California where it's really stunning that people are willing to accept locked cabinets so that they can get a bottle of Advil. Locked cabinets, you have to wait for someone to come, open up a cabinet, and release a bottle of Anison or whatever your pain reliever choice is. I thought it was mostly hyperbole when I'd hear those stories. But after my last visit to Target, it's true. You have to ring for help to get just about anything and things that are not even worth that much. What kind of world is this that we're living in? But it's because of the shoplifting. Democrats need to prosecute criminals and stop encouraging this petty theft. I'd like to see a lot less anti-Semitism in the world. But could we start here in our own country? Shouldn't we be paving the future, leading the way? But Democrats can't stop playing politics with discrimination. And they decide who are the oppressed and who are the oppressors. Doesn't matter if you're a terrorist who randomly killed children and raped women killed the parents of children right in front of them. Because if you're a Palestinian terrorist, well, then somehow you have a right to do that. Now, a Jew who joins the IDF and fights for their country, they're now the bad guys. You just can't make some of this stuff up, and we cannot allow it to continue. I'd like to see a lot less child mutilation 
And if you think I'm being hyperbolic again, what do you think we should call chopping off healthy breasts of a pubescent female? It's not anything short of child mutilation. Cutting off male body parts on minors? It's child mutilation. You can tap dance all you want and tell me about gender dysphoria and suicide rates and all this other trivial crap that they keep throwing our way, but you and I know the truth. It's child mutilation, and we've given it our imprimatur. Why? I couldn't tell you. I'd like to see less racism of every kind, but Democrats are going to have to stop playing the race card at every politically convenient moment. Gay was not fired from Harvard. No, no, she stepped down, actually resigned to a $900,000 faculty job at Harvard and is screaming racism. I don't know about the rest of you, but I could use a little uh, $900,000 a year racism. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Democrats can't seem to help themselves. If a person is black or brown, if a person is gay or whatever the cause of the weak is, immediately it's racism. That's the reason for everything, every problem that we have. No, it's not. Actually, we have become a society obsessed with calling racism, no matter what the real issue is. If plagiarizing parts of your documents and your dissertation is not wrong, then what is? And if you are a black woman and you plagiarize another black woman and her work, as in the case of Claudine Gay stealing from Carolyn Swain, well, what is that? Double entendre racism? We've gotten silly. And that silliness is not serving our society one bit. And I sure would like to see less Californication. Having just come back from California, all I can say is we should not be thinking of California as the great golden land of opportunity we used to see it as, but instead we should see it as an example of what failed policies actually look like. We just need less of what the Democrats continue to give us. And we need some real hope and some real change. Now, I know the politics of abortion are going to play out in this next election. As a matter of fact, the Democrats are going to make sure and the media is going to make sure that it's a big critical issue. But whatever you think of abortion, and many of us think abortion is not a good thing. Some people don't mind it. The Supreme Court turned the decision over to the states as it relates to the law. The results? Well, we have 15 states that restrict abortion on demand, while we have 35 states 
and the District of Columbia that allow abortion in many instances right up to the point of birth. If you want an abortion, it is available to any woman across the country. In many cases where states do have restrictions on abortion, employers and even the federal government, think about the military, pay for women to travel to abortion clinics nationwide to have an abortion. Democratic strategists, well, they see the abortion issue as their best talking point in the battle to keep the Senate in their hands and the White House and even to take over the House. And they keep pointing to other cases and ballot initiatives that should keep the topic in the headlines right up until Election Day. It's all about politics for the Democrats. If you can scare voters into believing that Republicans are trying to create a national ban on abortions and or restrict a woman's ability to get an abortion, it's just not true. If the only or primary reason that you vote for Democrats whose policies are proven disastrous is because of the issue of abortion, then you have bought into the Democrats' political manipulation. The Supreme Court turned abortion laws over to the states. It's a local decision. There are not 60 votes in the Senate to implement any kind of abortion laws. Abortions remain available across the country, and as I said earlier, in many cases, right up to the moment of birth. This is a deeply personal, and in many cases, a religious decision that has a profound impact on a potential mother and child. There are no easy answers. And my intent is not to debate the merits of abortion, but rather to point out that the politicization of the abortion issue when the rest of the Democrats' agenda is clearly failing America and pissing off voters. Abortion is an important issue to many, if not most, voters one way or the other. But don't get it twisted. Don't get hoodwinked into the rhetoric of the progressive left Democrats who have nothing to run on other than disastrous policies from open borders to crime, inflation, corruption, etc. President Biden is experiencing a decline in support from key demographics going into this election year, including young voters and voters from the black and Hispanic communities. There was a USA Today Suffolk University poll that was released just this week, which showed former President Donald Trump is leading Joe Biden by two percentage points overall. Among Hispanic voters, Trump is polling at 39 percent compared to Biden at 34 percent. Biden holds the lead at 63 percent among black voters, around 24 points less than he did in 2020. And one out of five black voters surveyed said they would support a third-party candidate in November. The Supreme Court could actually decide the fate of Trump's ballot access in 2024. The election in 2020 had the largest voter turnout of the 21st century, and young voters were a key group that helped deliver Joe Biden to the White House. In the last presidential election, the turnout among voters under 35 was 57 percent,
according to the Census Bureau, which was an increase of about eight points from the same group in 2016. But the president is seeing a drop-off in the age group that typically skewers left towards the Democrats because Trump holds a 37% of the support among voters under 35 compared to Biden's 33%. That's pretty unprecedented. Young voters have been disappointed no matter how many passes they get on their student loans. They're disappointed with his response to the Israel-Hamas war with their outrage aimed at the humanitarian crisis in Gaza, according to all the recent polling. And that, of course, is evidence of just how little they know and how distorted and biased media reportage has been. Black voters have been underwhelmed by Biden's outreach in his 2024 campaign so far, and they take issue with the president's policies on police reform and police brutality against their community, according to the Washington Examiner. Biden held support among 65% of Hispanic voters in 2020, but the president's handling of the border crisis and immigration and his inability to prove the effectiveness of his Bidenomics have hindered him in all the polls. Biden's economy has seen a slight boost lately, but the survey shows 29% believe the economy might be in a recovery. However, they're not feeling it. Now, let me talk a little bit about the expansion of the 14th Amendment theory to to remove Republican candidates for Congress from the ballots. Dozens of Democratic members have already called for the disqualification of up to 126 Republican colleagues under the same sweeping theory that they're trying to use to keep Donald Trump off the ballot. These efforts show how this theory could place this country on a slippery slope to political chaos, if not clearly and finally rejected by the Supreme Court as the decisions disqualifying former President Donald Trump from the 2024 election work their way through the courts, and filing in Pennsylvania seeks the same ballot cleansing by barring Republican Representative Scott Perry. And it's only the latest effort targeting congressional candidates as Democrats just seek to bar their opponents as, quote, insurrectionists for questioning the election of President Biden. We have become a nation of Madame Defarges, eagerly knitting names of those to be subject to arbitrary justice. Former congressional candidate Gene Stilp, who's previously made headlines by burning MAGA flags with swastikas outside courthouses, is the guy who filed the challenge. Using the 14th Amendment to disqualify candidates like Perry is consistent with Slip's signature flag-burning stunts. But what's chilling is how many people support such efforts, including Democratic officeholders from Maine's Secretary of State to dozens of members of Congress, most noticeably the squad. Representative Bill Pascrell, a Democrat from New Jersey, sought to bar 126 members of Congress under the same theory for challenging the election before January 6th of 2021. Similar legislation from Representative Cory Bush, Democrat from Missouri, to disqualify members 
got 63 co-sponsors, all Democrats, including New York representatives Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Jamal Bowman, and Richie Torres, and squad members like Elon Omar and Rashida Tlaib. When Maine Secretary of State disqualified Trump, three in the state's congressional delegation, Senators Angus King and Susan Collins and Representative Jared Golden, condemned the decision. But others supported the authoritarian, anti-democratic action. The grounds were virtually identical to those of Still. He accuses Perry of supporting challenges to Biden's election. Imagine this from the party which challenged Gore B. Bush and Hillary Clinton's loss to the one and only Donald Trump. Of course, Democratic members who seek to block certification of Republican presidents under the very same law, no factual or legal basis. Former Speaker Nancy Pelosi from California and Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Dick Durbin praised the effort then of Senator Barbara Boxer, who organized the challenge to the certification of President George W. Bush's 2004 election. January 6th committee head Benny Thompson from Mississippi voted to challenge it in the House. Jamie Raskin sought to block certification of the 2016 election result, particularly ironic since he's the leading voice calling for Trump to be disqualified. He insisted last week on CNN that the effort to prevent citizens from voting for Trump is the very embodiment of democracy. If you think about it, of all the forms of disqualification that we have, the one that disqualifies people for engaging in insurrection is the most democratic because it's the one where people choose themselves to be disqualified. That's akin to treating every criminal charge as a consensual act of incarceration because the accused chose his path in life. It's also being played out in state races. The filing against Perry came the same day Pennsylvania Democrat State Senator Art Haywood made public a complaint to the Senate Ethics Committee against his Republican colleague Doug Mastriano, accusing him of playing a role in the plot to overturn the election. Notably, in his effort to hold insurrectionists accountable, Haywood admitted he relied on the same evidence from Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington that was used in the Colorado case. Insurrectionist is the newest label to excuse any kind of abuse. You know, during the McCarthy period, individuals were accused of being communists or fellow travelers. Now you have them accusing Perry and other Republicans of being supportive of insurrectionists. Democrats and pundits have claimed civil libertarians and journalists who have testified against the government's growing censorship efforts are enablers of insurrectionists and even Putin lovers. These Democratic members and activists vividly demonstrate the dangerous implications of this unfounded theory. Until the court rejects this anti-democratic ploy, activists eager to win elections through the courts, will keep using it across the country, and it will metastasize throughout our body politic. And then, guess what? Might as well torch the Constitution in a fit of exhilarating rage. Arizona Governor 
Katie Hobbs has finally had a change of heart over the immigration crisis on her state's southern border with Mexico. You see, everything in politics is fungible. If it will or won't get you elected is the only criteria that they are currently using when it comes to figuring out what to get involved in and what not to. It's pretty disgusting. The electoral landscape is getting uglier and uglier. It's going to be up to us to make sure we turn this around. Thank you for listening to this No Restraint podcast. May God bless you and may God bless the United States of America. The Joyce Kaufman podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.